Welcome to the Macrofab Engineering Podcast, a weekly show about all things engineering, DIY projects, manufacturing, engineering news, <sighs> engineering news, industry news, and engineering interviews. We're your hosts, electrical engineers, Parker Dolman and Stephen Craig. This is episode 322, and you would think we can get that right sometimes, but no. <laughs> Uh, so we got two topics this week. We have um, kind of like interviewer questions and techniques that Stephen and I use while interviewing people um, for our companies that we work for. And then the other one is a little more interesting, maybe. Who knows? Um, depends on what side of the fence you are on our, if you're looking for a job or not, I guess, in this case. Um, PCB rulers. Um, and so we're going to start with PCB rulers first because the other topic is probably going to take like 58 minutes and we'll forget that this other topic exists during that. Um, so a long, long time ago, Macfab used to make PCB keychains that were like little basically mini rulers that we would send out to people. Um, and uh, our marketing team wants to do PCB rulers again, because I think it's great swag to give away as well. But I just don't want to do another PCB ruler because I have a stack over here of like 12 of them and they all have like the same thing on it. Sure. Like there's a ruler. So that's like the first thing you have to have a ruler on it, either metric or imperial or whatever. Um, but they all have varying different degrees of just information on it. Like, like the DigiKey one is probably the most dense. It's, it's, would, yeah, it's dense. There's a lot of stuff on it. A lot of stuff on it. Um, so one thing I want to talk about is like, what would make one unique enough to where people would actually want it? Besides mm. just saying Macrofab on it. It could have like a picture of you and I on it. <laughs> in, would in people gold. actually want that? That would be weird. Actually, so I, I had a thought about um, a, a project I was going to do a long time ago when I was in uh, the I was in an art collective in um, in Houston. We made a bunch of sculptures all around Houston. Uh, my, I was there was four of us in there and I was going to do all of our faces in copper, uh, just basically copper clad FR4, but leaving it leave it as raw copper um, such that, well, Perhaps, uh, like, I was actually going to leave, like, I was going to draw all of our faces, but leave the facial hair of all of us in raw copper, so it would, like, slowly, like, oxidize and change colors. Oh, get fuzzy. Yeah. So, uh, I, okay, so what would people want to see on these kinds of things? Or what would people actually utilize if they had it? You know, so I had a thought earlier, and, and I would totally use one of these. But uh, this is perhaps a little bit more towards the hobbyist side of things. But if I had a ruler that had holes for headers on it that were 0.1 pitch, like they just accepted a normal 0.1-inch uh, pitch header on it, and it was just a, a line of holes, what you could do is you could take a header, you could count how many you want. Like if you had a 40-pin header, you count how many you want, put it in the holes, and then you could break it off at that point, and then you would know you have five or seven or 12. Oh, or yeah. So just okay. it's, it's on the ruler, have a string of holes and you could just break it at whatever point you wanted. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. That's a good idea. Yeah. Because normally what I do is I just get out some snips and I count them and then snip it at that point. But 
if it's on your keychain, you can break it right there. Yeah. Um, I thought about putting like a beveled edge on it. And then you can open up packages and stuff like packaging tape and stuff with it. <laughs> yeah, like a blade. <laughs> no, just a beveled edge. Because like, I mean, everyone in here is like use their keys to like open up a box and stuff. Like you don't need a particularly sharp object. You just need a hard, mostly kind of sharp object, like blunt. Hmm. Like a kitchen, well, I mean, yeah, a kitchen just knife. chamfer the edge of a PCB and it's sharp enough to go through some tape, I suppose. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Just like bevel the edge of it and then it will go right through a, probably a, some box tape. Yeah, yeah, I like it. I mean, you can always go cliche with it and put the proper cutout in it and then you have a bottle opener in the, the ruler as well. Oh, yeah, there's bottle openers too. Hmm. Yeah, like I said, it's kind of cliche though. What what other things could a uh, PCB solve for you if you just carried it around? Hmm. And we're know. talking mechanically, I suppose. Like this yeah, is not going to be something that's assembled. It's just a th the board by itself. Yeah, I'm I'm not going to put like a circuit on this because some like people have done business cards and stuff. I've done a business card yeah circuit board before. Um, that's what I was thinking is like, yeah, what mechanically, um, I, I thought about actually, instead of making it like a ruler that you, or like a keychain, like maybe like a credit card shaped. So you put it in your wallet so you can have dimensions and then like drill hits for like, I think the drill hits are really important because that sometimes helps out when, um, you're trying to figure out like basically the size of like leads and stuff, the diameter holes and stuff. Um, but I always found like the footprints are not super useful. No, I, I, first of all, yeah, sure. Like, okay, you see a SOT 23 on there. It's like, okay, great. Yeah. What am I going to do? Take a SOT 23, put it on there and be like, yeah, it's a SOT 23. Right. I think that's kind of the idea. Yeah. Also Parker and I, we've been over this uh, a handful of times. Like, I'm not going to just look at someone else's footprint and be like, oh, yeah, that's exactly it. I'm going to make my own, right? So Yeah. So Fabio Firmware in Twitch chat says, I have one of the small Macrofab ones that I keep in their wallets. I use it for holes and silkscreen text size. Awesome. See, the yeah. text size, too, I think is very uh, useful. That's super useful. Yeah. So silkscreen, hole drills, um has to have the ruler stuff on it. I'm thinking about actually making it credit card size instead. So you can put it in your wallet. Are you um, are you thinking of going like 0.8 millimeters? I think if you do 0.8, you can't really put a bevel on it. Yeah, probably not. Because um, I do want to be able to use it as like an opener. True. Yeah. Oh, I wonder if you could. I wonder if you can bevel an inside cut. Uh, I mean, letter the, opener. Yeah, you. Oh, so you, you're you're saying like a do like a like a a shape that's like a fish hook, and the inside yeah. of the fish hook is beveled. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I see. I see what you're going at there. Uh, that maybe. would work. I, mean, here, I don't know if the anyone would... the CNC machines they have at PCB manufacturers could do it. Now, are they willing to do that? Yeah, they're willing to do that. Um, if the quantity also, it's up, like maybe. who who opens letters nowadays, anyways. Yeah, 
Well, okay, so actually, so the the, the thought, okay, so beveling the side of it uh, could work as like an edge, a, a blade edge, right? Yeah. A, a very not blade edge, but but if you made like a, a hook cutout in it, and you grab inside of like the like you put that in a cardboard edge and grab the tape and cut with that, like pull it towards you or something, that could work, right? Yeah. Um, I I think that would break. I guess you can try it out though. Well, it would probably break on a, on a zero point eight. No, one point six. So. The thing about 1.6 is if that's in your wallet, it makes your wallet really stiff. Oh, yeah, I guess so. Hmm. Yeah, there's a lot of constraints with something simple like this, right? Yes. Well, I wonder if you if I should do a wallet design and a actual ruler keychain design. Like oh. and have like the and have the bevel on like the keychain, but then do a thin one for your wallet that's got ruler and that kind of stuff but just doesn't have the beveled edge and has some different information on it sure do both yeah do both hmm Hmm. i don't know yeah there's it's like there's not a whole lot that can be done with it right yeah because we'll have an inch ruler and then you have metric on the other side of course is there any like weird Measuring systems that we can add to it because we have technically four edges that you can put stuff on. Yeah, but I mean, this is not going to be very long if it's only like credit card size. What is the dimensions of a standard credit card? Like three inches by inch and a half. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> and and do you want to do the uh, the tick marks? For measurements, is that done in copper or is that done in silkscreen? I would say copper. I'll probably do copper this time. Yeah, I think copper is better. Yeah. Um. Oh, I was just trying to think if there's any like measuring systems that would would infuriate people if it was like included. <laughs> A Smith chart on the on the backside. Because some people get some people get unusually unrational when you like say stuff in like SAE or or Imperial. <laughs> yeah too bad you can't uh you couldn't do like a uh, compound bevel on it and then make it a uh, spark plug um gauge you know gap set gauge oh a gap setter yeah that'd be cool <laughs> pcb feeler gauges <laughs> yeah pcb feeler gauges you get 0.8 millimeters one millimeter 1.6 millimeter just all the yeah. standard sizes <laughs> I always wanted to do like a uh, a color chip too, like a set of like one inch by one inch squares that mm. are all the different color combos. Oh so like yeah, all the solder masks and all the silk screens, like matrix together. So like you know, so you can have like red silk screen with yellow, green, black, blue, etc. Yeah, just swatches basically. Yeah, swatches. Um, I should do I should do that. Let me get that done. It would be really cool if you could convince a place to do all of that on a credit card size. Like squared oh, out 
on one, yeah, if they would be willing, I mean, that would be a ton of work for them. But if you had all, like, maybe not even all the combos, because most of the time, I think white or black silk screen would be acceptable. If you had all the mask colors and then white and black on both, yeah. uh, that would be really fantastic for, for just pulling it out and being like, this is what PCBs can look like. Hmm. The, there are some places that do like full color PCB printing, mm -hmm. but they kind of like it's like a post process. It's not it something is. that's yeah. uh, through the normal PCB process. So interesting. Well, if, if anyone out there has ideas for this PCB ruler, let us know in the Slack channel or on Twitter, um. Because uh, that's something I need to be working on soon-ish for the marketing team. Because hmm. they're like, we need to give stuff away. And I'm like, oh, fine, I'll go design this thing. <laughs> so I almost wonder, this, uh, this is just my brain working and this is probably stupid. But if you had a thin PCB backer board and then you got little squares of PCBs made in every solder mask color, and then you use a pick and place to put those on the backer board and send it to the oven and actually reflow PCBs to a PCB. Ooh. Yeah, and since you have a paste jetter, you can shoot paste in like a, a grid around all the squares yeah. and then actually solder them to a backer board. That's a good idea. And then, and then that, if... that doesn't require a ton of extra work from the PCB manufacturer. Yeah, you just get like half inch by half inch P like PCBs made with castellated edges. Right, exactly. And then, oh, and then you, you, you use a, your pick and place to put those all next to each other in a grid. That's such a good idea. Hmm. But that's a lot of work. I mean, it, it would be really awesome if you could get every color of a, of a square of PCB on tape, and then you just load it into your I machine. I don't think it's going to be someone hand-placing those. <laughs> yeah, I'm just saying, like, that would be really cool. Yeah. <clears throat> okay. Now on to interview questions and techniques. So yeah, both uh, both Parker and I have been interviewing candidates recently, both um, for engineering positions, and and I think Parker, you've been doing some um, engineering uh, adjacent positions, right? Or correct, yeah, uh, some positions that 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 are heavily involved with the engineering team. Uh, so I, I just finished up last week a round of interviewing. Uh, so I put together some some stuff for those interviews and we're we finished up and we uh, made an offer to one of the candidates so i'm i'm happy to share some of the stuff that i've been doing here um <clears throat> so i kind of uh, structured my interviews in uh, in kind of two sections i start by walking through uh, maybe it's three i guess so i i start by having the candidate give me like a rundown of what you know their background what they're currently doing what they're into those kinds of things and that's just like to hear them talk and to hear what they're currently doing kind of stuff mm -hmm. uh, so that first section is maybe 10 15 minutes depending on what there is um, I, I try to pull things out of their resume like if they say uh, highly skilled at uh, soldering through hole and SMD 
in their skills section of their resume. I'll be like, hey, talk to me about that. What do you mean by highly skilled? Uh, and then ask questions like, yeah. what's the smallest thing you've soldered? You know, like, and sometimes it'll be like, oh, I've done some 0805s. And some people will be like, you know, I'm a psycho and I do 0201s, you know, that, that kind of stuff. <laughs> you know, it's actually interesting. I do that too. Um, I'll go through the, res the resume and um, I will pick out stuff that... Uh, that it will be like in the far flung corner that most people don't even <laughs> look at. You on them. <laughs> I do. Because if you put it on your resume, yeah, I'm going to ask about it. Right. Sure. I think that's fine. Um, and even if it's a long time ago or whatever, if it's on your resume, you should be able to back up what is on it. No matter how long ago or whatever. If, if yeah. it's not applicable anymore, you need to remove it. Is my my uh opinion on that but like i had someone who said that they were uh they had python programming down mm. mm -hmm. that they were lying mm. it was uh they have they had changed one line of code in a python script before but that was python programming to them mm. so yeah i guess line's not the right term that's harsh but it was uh uh misinformed i guess of a uh, may, maybe maybe bloated a little bit bloated yeah that's that's probably more fair well and you see in in that first section what i like to do is instead of like oh i see you've done this i start ask, uh, and and asking questions about that what i do is i say hey i see that you've done this just talk about it and yeah. and then i see like you can tell really fast if you say like oh you've done python programming tell me about that as opposed to like oh here's some questions about python no no i i, I mentioned it that way no, you're correct. The yeah. um, my, usually my first section is I kind of like want to know, like how because the the positions that I usually interview for, um, which is like data support technicians and test engineers and stuff, like you don't, you like same thing with your people that you're hiring. Like there's not a school to go do that stuff, right? Nope. You don't when you're like nine years old you don't go i want to grow up and be a data support technician <laughs> no that, that that's not a thing okay okay yeah. i think there might be one person out there that's like that yeah possibly but, possibly you can't you can't have grand statements like that you can't have never right because it's, it's always a chance there's always a chance there's that one like nine-year-old listener who's like typing in right now yeah <laughs> and uh I feel that person's parents should not let them listen to this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I guess we're PG-13, right? You said nine-year-old, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so anyways, uh, I, I, I asked them, how did they get into this industry? Um, and like, I want to know their origin story because everyone's <laughs> got a story of how they ended up like us <laughs> for better or for worse yeah right? sure right uh, and so i like knowing that about the person yeah yeah i uh, the i think the first section is more about them just talking about themselves and like you could you get a lot from uh from talking to people or when people mm -hmm. you learn a lot 
when you get to just see how they handle talking about themselves. Some people hate talking about themselves and, yeah. uh, and you have to pull it out of them. Some people love talking about themselves and it's like, okay, we need to move forward kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. um, I, I do like uh, awesome blossom in chat is saying, uh, asking what their version of highly skilled is. Hmm. Uh, if they have that on their resume, that's actually a good idea. That fits perfect in this section, right? You know, um, I, I in in an interview I had years ago, I actually had somebody talk ask me some questions about something that I did on my skill section, and I feel like I answered it really, really well. And the guy was like, "Oh, that's fantastic! Do you consider yourself an expert uh, in that?" And I was like, "Nope, nope, no, I do not." And he actually was like, yeah, good answer. Like, yep. And uh, just was it like, like to be an expert, you got to do 10,000 hours is like the minimal. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I don't, yeah. It's something like 2,000 hours just to get proficient and 10,000 to master it, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah, I think, I think that's good to like it to, to ask, like, <laughs> are you an expert in something? If, if you're, if you're, Asking somebody who's fresh out of college, they're 21, 22 years old, and they say yes to being an expert in something, you're like, mm, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> I, th th this Really, this whole first section is kind of like personality tests, mm -hmm. almost. Because this is how I view it, is you, you're going to be working with this person for every single day for years, right? Yeah. A decade, at you know, if it works out the best, right? So... Like for me, being able to get along with this person is more important than whether or not they're actually the best person for the job. hundred uh, percent. And and we use the word vibe at work. Like, <laughs> no, <laughs> seriously. Like yeah. I, even though I yeah. think that's a nebulous term and it doesn't, it means something different for everyone. I think if 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 everyone comes out of an interview talking with someone and be like, how was that person's vibe? How do they vibe with us? How do they vibe with our culture? Uh, mm -hmm. and with, with our people, and if everyone is like, yeah, I really liked it, then that's, that's a good, that works. Yeah. yeah I have a question that's using my last question. Um, I know we're talking about like the beginnings of in, in a few, but yeah. this fits in this is I always ask, why did you apply to Macrofab? Mm. Um, why Macrofab? And I've gotten questions of I need more money to like they believe in the vision to they want to do more U.S. manufacturing like this whole huge array of stuff. Yeah. And um, I don't if someone says I need money, I don't hold that against them. I mean, I yeah. told totally, you that's why we have a job, right? If we didn't need money, like Steve and I would probably just talking to microphones for 24 hours a day. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we just do this all the time. <laughs> we just do this all the time if we yeah. didn't have to get paid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. if anyone would like to pay us full time to do this. <laughs> oh, that'd be awesome. That would be fun. <laughs> um, yeah, awesome blossom in chat, uh, Twitch chat, money. Yeah, I've had I've had two people say that, and it's totally fine. Um, you, you know, you know what I what I like about that is. Um, that's just honest. That's just like yeah. raw honesty. Yep. And I, I really appreciate that. That's what you get at when you're trying to get through these like kind of obscure personality questions that Steve and I are talking about. Mm. Like we're trying to f get your vibe, mm -hmm. right? And one of those things is 
you know, honesty is a big honesty and is a big part of engineering. Oh, you know, yeah. We've talked about ethics and engineering. Honesty is part of that. And so trying to claw that out of people is uh, a, a, a is part of the process, I guess. The, the oh, God, the last thing ever in an engineering interview. I, I can't speak to other interviews. Just don't BS. Do not BS at all. If you know something, be confident and say you know it. If you don't know something, be confident and say, I don't know that. Like, I'm not going to hold that against you. I, I'm really not. It 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 might not get you the position, but, like, uh, it would be far worse if you lied about it. Yeah. You could... Um, the people who say, I don't know, and just leave it at that, I kind of mark down, I guess. Um, but the people who say, I don't know, but then they follow up on like maybe how they would try to figure it out without oh, being prompted yeah, yeah. for that. Yet those are actually, I would put higher marks than if they actually knew the question and the answer. <laughs> yeah, again, okay. Yeah, maybe I should amend that. Like just looking someone straight in the face and being like, no, I don't know that. And then silence, that's that's not positive. <laughs> that's not good. Yeah, no, that's not positive. It's um because we, we're not infallible creatures either like we mess up all the time and how much of your day is spent looking stuff up <laughs> yeah 80 yeah. percent maybe oh yeah your day yeah, yeah yeah looking stuff up i i was i was looking up rj45 pinouts today because i was running ethernet cable and i was i spent a a solid chunk of the day looking at do i need to make crossover cables or do i need to make regular patch cables and is this uh, gigabit switch I have that will it automatically like yes I'll, in other words a lot of it is just like looking stuff up because I don't know it yeah actually you know my boss and I were, were mentioning that the other day school teach you how teaches you how to be resourceful it doesn't necessarily teach you uh, like raw facts and mm -hmm. or all the raw facts it, it can't it teaches you how to teach you or it tries to. How to teach yourself. Yeah, right. What, you didn't learn the pinout of USB type B in college? <laughs> Dude, don't, don't get me started. We didn't get anywhere near that in college. <laughs> so <clears throat> after after I kind of do the whole personality thing, um, I I tend to, uh, depending, on, depending on the position, um, uh, we'll, we'll go into more like difficult, like specific on the job questions. So if this is like for a tester or an assembler or something like that, we'll probably talk about soldering or using oscilloscopes or something like that. But for an engineer, I have actually started giving uh, a bit more of an exam. And uh, it's not necessarily an exam where there is like hard and fast, true answers or correct answers. It's It's designed to be... Uh, I want to see how you get a question, digest it, and then uh, find some form of a solution. So uh, some of these questions that I give for this exam do have, like, there is a right answer. Most of them have no right answer. They just have, like, let's find things out. Mm -hmm. So I actually have a, a schematic that I drew up the other day, uh, and I've 
I passed it on to Parker, and Parker's going to put it up on the live stream here. I'll actually throw this schematic up in our Slack channel, which is macfab.com slash Slack. So if you want to kind of follow along with a little bit of these questions and take a look at this schematic, uh, feel free to. It'll be uh, up in the Slack channel. So uh, for all of the candidates that I've done with this mini exam here, uh, I, I provide the schematic ahead of time, at least a day ahead of time. I think for some of the candidates, it was uh, it was probably two or three days ahead of time. And I've asked to have each each one to uh, take a look at the schematic before the exam. So they're, they're aware that uh, there's going to be something involved in this. So first of all, uh, just as sort of like a spoiler alert here, um, what I really am looking for whenever I provide a little schematic like this or, or something of this is I want I want you to go and get an idea of what the, the circuit is doing or trying to do. Uh, and I specifically put regular jelly bean parts and one or two unique parts on it. A unique part being one that you haven't seen in school, one that you haven't seen before. It might be industry specific, but it's, its data sheet is very, very readily available. Like you just go to Google, type it in, and you will find it kind of thing. Uh, so that was one of the, one of the kind of goals there with, uh, with, this, with providing it ahead of time is, are you gonna go and really look the schematic over and are you gonna look at data sheets ahead of time? And uh, for some people, absolutely, that's like a no-brainer. They go and they look at it. For other people, they just kind of like glance at it and sure, okay, you know, that's that's fine. Uh, perhaps that's enough for them, uh, or perhaps they already know some of the things on this. Uh, and and so the very first thing I do in the in the exam is give a preface by saying this schematic is fictional. It it this isn't a real thing that exists, and uh, you probably don't have all the information. In fact, like. I don't have any connectors, like power supply connectors on this schematic or anything like that. And sometimes I even leave that information out because uh, sometimes the candidates are like, hey, where's the power supply connector? Good question. It's not on there. Uh, and, 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 and in reality, you may not even, like when you're on the job, you may not have the schematic page that has the things like mm -hmm. the power supply connector and things like that. So I just want to see how your mind interprets this kind of schematic. So, so really the, the beginning of my exam is I ask the candidate to look at the schematic and tell me, what does this thing even do? Like, what do you think it does? Like, uh, you can go into whatever level of detail you, you feel like doing um, or not, but just like overall, what is its function? And Parker's got it up here. This You've probably seen it now for a minute or two. <laughs> I'm 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 curious if you have any just initial thoughts on what it does. Talk about for me, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, and I, right, so I'm being a, unfair to you because you've yeah. Had it for so like we've got an SDN32 microcontroller. Yeah, EEPROM. Yeah. That's over Spy. Yep. Um, we got a programming port that talks to the SDN32 programming. We have a. Something called CV offset, which I don't know what that is, but it goes CV into an stands for control voltage. Okay, so it goes into an op amp that's got a reference voltage. Mm -hmm. uh, it's got an offset potentiometer. Looks like a trim pot, probably for calibration. That's actually that would be a manual control on a front panel. Oh, okay, that would be a pot control. Um, and it goes into a voltage follower for part of being buffering. Um, let's see. 
output VCA, voltage control amplifier. Yep. So it's got the signal in, goes through a couple op amps, and then goes through output. So what is this control signal off of U240.3? That's doing something. So yeah, that's yeah. a that's a that's the special chip. That's a yeah. A VCA that's the thing chip. that's well because if you look at everything else, like the input goes through a buffer. Yep. The just linear buffer. Yep. And then it goes through this thing. That's a. <laughs> it's called an SSI twenty one sixty four. Yeah, I don't know what that is. Right. That's that's the one part where if you go to Google and type in that part, you'll get the exact thing and with a whole description of it. <laughs> and uh, um, so 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 effectively, I'm what totally going to steal this from chat. It does nothing because you can't buy SDM thirty twos right now. <laughs> I was going to mention that too. That was great, Fabio from that chat. Yeah, great. Great you can't joke. do anything because you can't buy the chip. <laughs> Uh, so, so effectively what this is, is it's literally a pot and a jack input that, that go into an ADC on a processor that goes to a DAC on the output of a processor and controls an amplifier. So okay. the, the, the jack and the, and the pot at the, on the front just control the yep, volume of I the output. That now. That's it. Mm -hmm. So it's just a voltage controlled amplifier that is done digitally. Uh, so nothing, so it, it's, it's a decent mix of digital and uh and analog here uh so so yeah and and so a lot of my questions that that come that surround that um some of them involve design stuff like there's some capacitors in feedback paths of op amps i ask hey what are the function of these capacitors what do they do and then you know if somebody is uh like you know nails that question and figures it out i'm like okay can you tell me what the cutoff frequency would be or can you tell me what the equation of a cutoff frequency would be for uh, a capacitor and a feedback in an, in an op amp kind of stuff like that. Uh, and that would be more of a design style question. Now, I also have manufacturing questions where, you know, I tell them certain aspects about the circuit. And if you look at the schematic you, and, and you know the schematic uh, and you're able to analyze it, you'd be like, well, it shouldn't be working that way. And then we'll have a discussion about like, okay, you're right. It shouldn't, uh, it should be working that way. Or, and what could make it not do that? So, you know, PCB issues like broken traces or lifted components or missing components, like things of that sort. Mm -hmm. And then there's a favorite that I like to ask where, um, say, say you have a, a device, you know, it should be pulling about a hundred milliamps. You plug it into your power supply. Whose current is set at 250 milliamps and it immediately trips the constant current mode. So there's a short, what do you do? How do you handle that situation? And it's really interesting to see people kind of like Turn their, their brain short circuits when they're trying to figure out a short circuit. Yeah. Um, Bill, who's one of the engineers at Macrofab, asks a very similar question to that. Okay. Um, and actually, that was what spurred this whole, you told me about that test, basically. Mm -hmm. And that actually what spurred this whole conversation that we're talking about. Because... Um, uh, like I asked a bunch of questions. Um, my biggest problem I have is I have so many resumes to go through. Yeah. Um, and it just takes a lot of time. And I'm like, I started looking at like what our developers do at Macrofab and they actually have developer tests that they send out to candidates. Mm -hmm. And I mean, you're doing a similar thing for hardware engineers. 
Um, and so I was actually going to do that same thing now is I'm going to build a couple tests for the kind of positions that I interview for. Um, like for test engineers, that's totally a awesome question for test engineers. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, but I was going to do, I was actually going to build basically an RMA packet mm. for them. Yeah. And basically be like, here's the Gerbers. Here's what the customer is saying is wrong. You know, figure out what's wrong with this. Nice. Um, kind of a little, maybe a little more open-ended because I'm looking at this as being a filter. <laughs> yeah. And uh, one of those, like, you have to do this. You have to at least answer this before, like, maybe I even look at the stuff, right? Um, big one is data support technicians. Um, and uh, I was actually just going to make a data packet that people will have to like upload to the platform mm. and use like our knowledge base to figure out how the platform works. Now, now are you talking about giving this exam during the interview or like, is this a separate kind of thing? Uh, so, cause we use like this HR platform thingy for people that can apply. Mm. We can put in a test there too. So when they apply, they have to answer the test basically. So like for software developers, they they apply and they get like a code challenge basically. And they have to submit the code challenge for their resume to get through. Nice. So kind of like a, it's a filter. And so I'm, my goal is to like squish down how many resumes I have to look at. to people who are, you know, because these are questions I ask on the interview anyways. Um, whereas, you know, like 80 of the percent of the people I'm interviewing don't know how to answer the question that you just asked, which is, you know, how to solve for a short. And they're like applying for a test engineer position. Yeah. It's like, well, if you can't do that, that's like the simplest, you know, fault finding, right? So it it can be right. Yeah. It will also it can like, be like I said with, with, so I have a, about, eight to 12 questions that I ask. And, and I, most of them, I don't necessarily care that you get the exact right answer. I just want to see how you approach it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Especially like with the short thing, there's so many ways to approach. Yeah. That. There's a lot of different ways to uh, solve that problem. Um, right. But there's also the a lot of ways to get it wrong. Like, and to just say things that are just not, valid you know and Correct, and yeah. and answer it and seeing how they answer it is like okay well mm -hmm. you know you don't know what to do clearly yeah i mean sometimes you just got to crank up that that current limit yeah <laughs> feel around and well, oh depends, that's hot <laughs> Fix yeah <that>. depends on <laughs> depends on uh if the board is is uh if it's something that you need to salvage or not right Right, yeah, yeah. Like, is it one of a kind, or is it like, oh, it's one out of, like, 10,000? So you're kind of just doing some, you know, RMA debugging. Or or somebody threw this in a pile of, of like, fix-it-later things, and it's four years down the road, and, <sighs> and, and your engineering manager is like, hey, can you just look through this bucket and see what's salvageable? Oh. <laughs> oh yeah, man. so that's one of those situations where it's like, yeah, maybe you do just crank up the current limit. Yeah, yeah.
Try to get through as fast as you can. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> exactly. But but that like was... even being able to discuss it like we are right now, that yeah. would be fa- I would love to have that kind of a conversation with Yeah, him, that kind of conversation with the the person you're interviewing. Totally. Yeah. 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 Oh man, that was the that was one of the first things I did back at uh, Dynamic Perception. It's chew through the backlog. Was chew through the um the uh basically the bad boards that we would get from the, the cm because we had there was like years of inventory mm. and uh most of it was pile. yeah the bone pile was was pretty big and uh, most of it came down to actually component failures oh wow yeah that we were using these tax switches that really long actuators like a six millimeter tax switch with like a 20 millimeter actuator on it Mm. so big old stick on it and the stick would the tax switch would just be failed just be bad yeah just wouldn't work i i never figured out if it was like a manufacturing defect or it's just bad parts um given that i never saw any flux or anything i always just assumed it was just a bad part because they were pretty cheap parts I've got a I've got a quick tangent that is like about tax switches that I've never experienced this until working where I'm at and it's a really odd one. Um, we have a a device that we build that has some light pipes on it and these light pipes need a small amount of super glue to just hold them right in place. Uh, okay. It's not it's not the worst it's not the the greatest uh what we found is um you know our operators would use a toothpick and they just put a small amount on the uh on the uh light pipe put it in place and then finish the build well okay so these light pipes are physically located close to a tax switch and we found that if they put super glue on the on the the uh light pipes built up the module put it in its bag and then put it, you know, in in like a on the shelf. We would see a large amount of failures in the tax switches uh, when they get get to testing. But if they would build it all up and just let them sit on the table and outgas, then the tax switches. Oh. Would, so the 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 gas from superglue was corroding the terminals on tax switches inside the tax switch. inside. But but only when we put them in a little like a bubble bag, you know. Yeah. So. That's bananas. I've n- never run into that. It's like, oh my gosh, it's a, yeah, it's annoying. Avoid avoid adhesives at all at all cost. Yeah, but, as much as you can, because yeah. you do have to wait for full cure. Yep. Yep. Um, I bet you if you looked at your that data sheet for that glue, there was a full cure rating, and you were just before the full cure. Oh, a hundred percent. And I mean, it's just yeah. it's just Joe Schmo super glue. It's nothing special. Yep. It's like five minutes, but. Um, the build, the Loctite last step of the build was was put the light pipes in, put it in a bag and go. So it, like they would get super glue applied and then 20 seconds later be in a semi-sealed bag. Keep that in mind. The, like there's there's <laughs> uh, there's a thousand ways your product can fail. <laughs> yeah, there's one way your product works. Yeah. Yep. Every other way is a fail. Is right? a fail. Right. Yeah. I, I, you know, I mentioned that to uh, to uh, a lot of people at work. It's like electrical engineers. We have a situation where we have to make a bazillion things perfect, and yeah. that that's considered acceptable. Everything else, 
acceptable. <laughs> yeah, like no, think about it. Think about how many placements are on your board, and all of them yeah. basically have to be right for it to be what you envisioned the design. Yeah, to be. that's true. Yeah, all those components have to be perfect. Well, they don't have to be perfectly put on. They have to be at the right spots. But but all the traces on the board, all the inner traces oh, that yeah, connect yeah. to the barrels of vias all have to be correct. All of it has to be correct. Well, that's why you have manufacturing tolerances, man. That's what your <laughs> well, DRC's for. Yeah. yeah. Man, when you get cheap boards in and you look under the microscope with like the drill hit registration. <laughs> yeah. Garbage. <laughs> Pretty bad. Yeah. Yeah. Been there for sure. Um. Okay, back to yeah. interview questions. So, uh, yeah, so I need to put together some tests for our uh, applicants. Um, and, and, like, I was going to, like, basically automate it, too. Um, like, for the data support, um, they'll just give me the link of, like, what they uploaded. And I'm just going to run a script to compare what they did to, like, this master sample thingy that I've done. And then give him like it will do like a score rating, like what's different or something like that. Who knows? Ah, nice. Um, automate stuff, right? Spend yeah. ten hours designing that, so I don't have to like review test results. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I think I'm going to uh, I'm going to post my schematic and my questions up on our Slack channel um, this coming week sometime this week and uh and we'll see if uh if anyone wants to take a stab at answering some of these questions yeah I, and um we did do a previous podcast about resumes like just the resumes yep um i don't remember what episode that was but we'll totally link it in the show notes so that um uh people who are listening to this can go listen to that one if you're applying to engineering i would say this applies to pretty much most engineering places you're applying to. Mm -hmm. You know, out of all the uh, interviews I've, I've had, I would say probably 50% of them have some form of a exam style thing. Um, yeah. Some of them are just, you sit in a chair and you talk and you answer questions. I've had, I've had some that, um, that they ask I, questions, they show pictures, ask questions. And I've had one where they gave me a marker and made me go up to a whiteboard and draw schematics and write equations. I had to draw the what the depletion zone of a MOSFET looked like. Wow, that's cool. Yeah, that was for Intel. Oh, nice. That was a, so that was a weird uh, interview. It was six hours long. Oh. For a technician position at like <laughs> the R and D Intel facility up in uh up in Austin, Texas. Yeah. And uh I was a year and a half in on my EE degree. So I've been I've been at school for three years at that point, I think. Something yeah. like that. Yeah, that sounds right. Three years at that point. Um and this is like for a summer internship position. So internship position, six hours. And I'm like on the whiteboard drawing depletion zones of my, like trying to remember what that looked like, like the whole like um, the cross section, cross section. And yeah. like, yeah, where like the holes would be and stuff like, yeah. Oh, 
Yeah. And, <laughs> and, and a guy was asking me, like, what material would you dope it with? And I'm like, oh, shit. Arsenic, <laughs> right? <laughs> That's fun. Um, I, I did a ton um, of man, that stuff. I was really was racking great. my brain. Anyways, yeah. I actually got the internship. Oh, but, wow. but... Uh, only if I would work there for a whole year, I would have to quit college to work at Intel. Oh, okay, yeah, give them a, yeah. a solid chunk, yeah, yeah, because they wanted me work full time. I'm like, I can't work full time, and like in the summer, I can work full time. Yeah, I can't do that for a whole year because I'd have to quit school for a year. So I ended up turning that position down. Hmm. Um, but yeah, that was that was the most intense interview I've ever done. Um, everything after that's like a cakewalk. <laughs> I I had I had an interview once. Uh, well, I had been interviewing with this company for about a month, and then they flew me out. I stayed in a Ooh, hotel. Fancy. Yeah, I stayed in a hotel, um, and then got to their location at nine o'clock in the morning, and uh, the, I got back to my hotel at nine that night. And I had to I had to catch a flight early the next day. They gave me a full day, um, but I interviewed with virtually every engineer. I interviewed with the marketing guy. I interviewed with a test guy. I interviewed with the CEO. I did um, lunch and dinner and beers with the engineering team. It was like it was a. Did you get thing. the job? Huh? Did you get the job? I I got I actually got yes I did get the job. I did, uh, but <laughs> I I shouldn't laugh about it. But I I turned it down. Um, it was this was one of those ones where like it would have been a really fantastic job to take, but um, it had it had a lot of um, things that were just not right for me. Actually, yeah. you know, it's funny. One of the things same is, same as that Intel job. It's mm -hmm. like it Sal. It's an amazing opportunity, mm -hmm. but it's like I had to spend a year not studying, and that's actually what you don't realize is like if you leave like it's hard to get back into that mindset mm, yeah yeah for sure all right well i hope uh, i hope we gave some good information for those who are either currently interviewing or about to interview i think i have a this huge list of interview questions yeah um it's like a page and a half long do you I'm just actually, like honestly, pick a few? I, no, I think I'm going to publish them on my. I'm going to think I'm going to publish them and the tests that I'm thinking about coming up with yeah. on my website. Oh, there you go. Um, because because no one's going to look that shit up. And yeah, but, what, if, but look, if they did, like if they did, that's a I'd big thumbs up. Right? <laughs> exactly. They studied. Yeah. If they, they listen to this podcast, they listen to this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so that was the MacFab Engineering Podcast. We are your hosts, Parker Dillman. And Stephen Craig. Later, everyone. Take it easy. Thank you, yes you, our listener, for downloading our podcast. If you have a cool idea, project, or resume to send, let Stephen and I know. Tweet us at MacFab, at Longhorn Engineer, or at Analog ENG, or email us at podcast at macfab.com. Also, check out our Slack channel. You can find it at macfab.com slash Slack. 
And also the live stream is twitch.tv slash macrofab, six o'clock central time, usually on Tuesdays. This one was on Monday. What are you going to do?